God for it. But do we really know what it's all about? Do we really know what it is? Do we really understand it? Well, today I'm going to try to help us out with that the best I can. But first of all, I've got some phrases here that are very common in America today. And I'm going to start them, and what I want you to do is finish them for me. The first one is, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. If you make money the old-fashioned way, you earn it. This may not be as easy as I thought it was going to be. There's no such thing as a free lunch. If there's no pain, there's no gain. God helps those who help themselves. Everything about our American way of life seems to teach that we get what we earn. We are fixated on competition and winning. We value hard work and sweat. We tell people that if you want to make something of your life, it's up to you. The only problem with this is that God does not operate on that system. So this makes it very difficult for us at times to relate to God. We're in this work mentality. The problem is Psalm 145 verse 8. And it says this. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, Great in mercy. It tells us that God, rather than being in this work ethic mode, is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, rich in love. That means He loves to be gracious to us. God loves to bless people who don't deserve it. That's his nature. Aren't we all glad for that? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning thanking you for your grace and your mercy upon us. And we just ask for you to be amongst us here this morning and help us as we learn more about it. Just teach us more. You lead the way. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For a lot of people, grace is difficult to understand. I was one of those people. When I first became a Christian, I thought that I understood. But the more I grew, the more I realized I didn't know as much as I thought I did. Grace is very difficult to understand. And one can't really understand grace, and one can't really understand the Christian life until one understands grace. 
Grace is the heart of our faith. The more we understand grace, the more we're going to be drawn to God. The more we're going to love God. It's by this system of grace that God draws us to Him. Now, grace is like a multifaceted diamond. One of those big old diamonds, and it's got different cuts, and the light glares off of it, and it goes in different angles, and it looks different colors. Grace is just like that. It has all kinds of different aspects to it. There's no one single definition that tells us what grace is all about. One definition can be God's love in action. And I think that fits perfect. But another can be God giving us what we need and not what we deserve. Amen. But a favorite of mine is God. grace is the face God wears when He looks at my failures. Many people think they understand grace. We are saved by grace. But many Christians sure don't act like it. They spend a lot, if not most, of their lives acting like they're saved by works. Their entire life is built on pleasing God by trying to be perfect. They think if they do a certain number of quote-unquote good works, God's going to say, hey, that's great. Y'all come on in. These people are saved by grace, but they live by works. Today, to try to help us understand more about grace, we're going to look at five aspects of God's grace. And I built this around an acrostic using grace, G-R-E. A C E. Now this reminds me of an article I read. This guy was going to go to Yale University and preach on what is a Yale student. And he said, I'm going to build this on an acrostic using Yale. Y-A-L-E. Now, a Yale University student is young. They're adventurous. They're loyal. They're enthusiastic. Four letters, four words. The thing is, he went on an hour and a half on this four-letter acrostic. He completely wore out the crowd. So when he was done, he looks down at the front row at the studio and he says, what did you think of my speech? The guy looks up at him and says, I'm just glad I wasn't going to Massachusetts Institute of Technology. <laughs> All right, let's get started. We're going to use the G first. The G stands for God's gift to us. Romans 3.24 says, All of us need to be made right with God by His grace, which is a free gift through Jesus Christ. Did y'all get that? It's a free gift. Because of this work ethic I was talking about a minute ago, Many people think they are saved by works, by earning their way into heaven, by being good enough to get in. If we ask 50, 100 people on the sidewalk, how do you get to heaven? We're going to get a lot of different answers. 
But basically, they would all be summed up in, you have to earn your way in. We'd hear things like, the way you get to heaven is you try to be good. You do your best. You do good things. And if your good pile is higher than your bad pile, you get in. To many people, it's all based on works and not grace. We need to understand that God says here that salvation is absolutely free. We don't work for it. We don't earn it, and we can't buy it. Every other belief system can be summarized in one word, do. Whether it's rules that we do, whether it's regulations that we do, whether it's rituals that we do, every other belief system can be summed up in one word, do. Christianity is the only religion that is built on grace. If we were to summarize Christianity in one word, the word would be done. Amen. Say done. 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 It's already been done for us. It was done by Jesus on the cross. Jesus paid for our salvation on the cross, and now it's a free gift to us. That's why as he was hanging there on that cross, he said, it is finished. It is our salvation, the plan to provide grace to everyone. God says, here it is. It's a free gift. There isn't anything we can do to save ourselves. We just accept God's free gift of grace. We're not getting into heaven based on what we do. We're getting in based on what has already been done. Amen. Grace is God's gift to us. It's received by faith. The are in grace received. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to heaven. It's just a gift, but we have to receive it by faith. If I have a gift for you, and this is highly unlikely, but I say, here's a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. There it is. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, a hundred dollars, a million dollars, as high as you want to go. If you don't come and get it, it's worthless. Amen. It'll just sit there. You have to come and get it by faith. Faith that I'm actually going to give it to you when you get here. He says, because salvation is a gift, we can't brag about it. Do you realize how miserable 
heaven would be if we could get there by what we've done. If we could get there by working our way there. Everybody would be bragging about what great people we were here on earth. What great things we did. We'd all be trying to one-up each other of what great story, about great stories, what we did while we were here. God says, it's a gift. It's a grace gift. We can only accept it and be grateful for it. Mm. Romans 4.16 says, People receive God's promise by having faith. This happens so that the promise can be a free gift. Salvation isn't based on my performance. It's based on God's promise. Salvation isn't based on my goodness. It's based on God's grace. I'm not getting into heaven based on my merit, but God's mercy. Amen. The Bible is full of stories illustrating the principle of God's grace. One of my favorites is in 2 Samuel. It's a story of a young boy named Mephibosheth. How'd y'all like to have a name like that? <laughs> they made fun of my name when I was in school. I can't imagine this poor guy. You remember the story of David and Saul? Saul was the king. He chased David all around the countryside trying to kill him. He was jealous of David. David spent most of his time running, hiding, avoiding being killed. But David never retaliated. In fact, he became best friends with Jonathan's son, with Saul's son, Jonathan. They became such good friends, they made an agreement. If either of us should be killed... The one that lives on will take care of the other's family. Okay? Later on, Saul and Jonathan both were killed. David became king. And immediately, all of the relatives of Saul were in fear. Thinking, now David's in control. He's going to retaliate for what Saul had done to him. He's going to kill us all. He's going to wipe us all out. So all of them were leaving. As they were leaving, the nurse grabbed this young boy, the son of Jonathan, Mephibosheth. She dropped him down the stairs. It broke his legs. He became a paraplegic. Later on, David says, uh, Hey, is there anybody left? In, the, in Saul's family that I can show kindness to. See, David was thinking about his agreement that he had with Jonathan. He's going to fulfill his agreement and take care of somebody in that family if there's anybody left. <clears throat> they went out and found this young, crippled, disabled boy. David said, bring him to me. Now you can imagine the fear in his heart 
as they come and got him and was taking him to the king. He knew he was a relative of Saul. He was thinking, this is it. He's going to execute me. I'm done. But to his surprise, when he gets there, David says, I want you to come and live in the castle with me. I want you to come and eat at my table with me. I'm going to treat you like you're one of my sons. I'm going to treat you like royalty. I'm going to make you a part of my family. Now that's grace. The Bible says that God comes to us and we're broken. We are disabled, even crippled in many parts of our lives. Our emotions are crippled. Other things are happening in our life. And God comes to us and says, I'm going to bring you into my family. I want you to come and sit at my table with me. I'm going to treat you like royalty. I'm going to make you one of my sons. I'm going to take care of all your needs. Simply out of my grace. That's the grace of God. We receive it by faith. It's a gift. We receive it by faith. It's available to everyone. The A in grace stands for available. God doesn't play favorites. Regardless of our background, our status, our mistakes, regardless of our sins, God's grace is available to all. Romans 14, 16. The promise is not only for those people that live under the law of Moses. It is for anyone that lives with faith like Abraham. God says it's available to anybody. Anybody who opens up their heart in faith. It doesn't say only really good people. It doesn't say only really religious people. It doesn't say only really smart people. Nope. It says everybody. It says everyone. That means me. That means you. Our families. Our friends. Our worst enemies. Everyone. Everyone. Anybody. Who calls on the name of the Lord. Who has faith in the grace of God. Will be saved. The sad thing though, even though many people know that God offers His grace, His unconditional gift, they still try to work their way to heaven. They think that something in their lives is making them good enough that they don't need to receive God's gift of grace through Christ. Now I gotta tell you, you may have done some pretty nifty things in life. <laughs> Made a bunch of money, got a big time job, donated a lot to charity, whatever it is. You might have invented something really big, 
If you think that's going to get you to heaven, forget it. Amen. Heaven is perfect, and we are not. The only way we're getting into heaven is by receiving God's gift to us, God's grace, receiving it in faith. The C in grace comes for, stands for Christ. It comes through Christ. Grace comes through Christ. John 1.17 The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Why through Christ? Why is Jesus Christ the only way to heaven? Because He paid the price. He paid the price of admission. He's already paid for our salvation. Nobody else has done that one. On the cross, Jesus Christ paid for our sins. Grace is free, but it didn't come cheap. It cost Jesus his life. Romans 5.15 Many people have received God's gift of life by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ. In the Bible, the favorite description for someone who's accepted God's grace, who's accepted God's gift, is the term in Christ. That phrase, in Christ, is used over 120 times in the New Testament. It refers to somebody who has found salvation through Jesus Christ. Let me explain it to you like this. We're going to let this card, this little index card, represent my life. So we'll let the Bible represent Jesus Christ. Now in my life, there are a lot of things that I've done that disqualify me from getting into heaven. There are mistakes that I have made. Sins that I have committed. People I have hurt. In many ways, I have ripped up my life. And I've allowed others to rip up my life too. I look at that life and I think that's not perfect. There's no chance of that getting into heaven. But the Bible says when I come to Jesus and I ask for forgiveness, and I invite Him into my life, Amen. and I have faith in the grace of God, God then takes my life with all the scars and all the tatter and all the mistakes, all the sins, stuff that I'm ashamed of that I don't want you to know about, 
for anybody else to know about. And God puts me in Christ. Now when I'm in Christ, can you see my imperfections? Can you see my sins? Can you see my mistakes? Can you see the stuff that I am really ashamed of? All you can see when I'm in Christ is Christ. You see, I made a total mess of my life. But that's not the end. When God looks at me with those eyes of grace, He only sees the perfection of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.21 Don't treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if we could have for if we could be saved by keeping the law, in other words, by doing good, then there was no need for Christ to die. If we could be saved by our works, by our own merits, the cross was a waste. If we could have gotten into heaven any other way. But there was no other way. We're either going to heaven in Christ or we're not going at all. It's a free gift. We just accept it in faith. Grace is all that God does for me because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. It comes through Christ and only Through Christ. All right. We're down to the E in grace. It stands for eternity. Extended through eternity. God's grace is extended through eternity. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. The results of God's grace are going to go on forever and ever. Eternal life. That's one of the benefits of God's grace. Eternal life. You could say that grace is the gift that keeps on giving. God always saves the best for last. And the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, the free gift of God. Eternal life in heaven. Now one of the most asked questions that I hear is, what do you think heaven's going to be like? Even just hearing those words, I can see everybody's minds churning now. Everybody's got their own ideas of what it's going to be like in heaven. But you know, we don't have to guess. The Bible tells us that heaven's going to be like four specific things. First of all, it's going to be a place of reunion. A reunion where we are reunited with our loved ones who have already accepted God's grace. It's going to be a place of reward where we're going to be rewarded for the character that we developed while we served other people here on earth. 
It's going to be a place where we're reassigned to do work that we love to do. That'll be a change, won't it? (laughs) It's going to be a great, wonderful place. It's going to be a place of release. Where we're free from all. Say all. All All pain. Where we're free from all. Say all. All All suffering. Where we're free from all. Say all. All All sadness. Where we're free from all. Say all. All All sorrow. Where we're free from all. Say all. All All grief. Where we're free from all. Say all. All All depression. Where we're free from all. Say all. All All loneliness. It's going to be a wonderful place. And it's the gift of God. There's one catch. We have to accept it. If I give you a gift, and I say, here it is, come and get it. If you leave it laying there, it's worthless. It's useless. We need to realize here that Jesus Christ makes this grace gift available to everybody. But it's also specifically for your life. Because God knows exactly what it is that you need. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for Him. I'm going to ask Brother Bill to stand up here with me. Now, if you've not yet put your faith in Christ and accepted God's free gift of grace, I want to invite you to do that today. He's waiting for you. It's available to everyone It's a gift that lasts forever. I ask you to take that step of faith, come out in the aisle, walk down here, and let us show you exactly what the Bible says today. Maybe you've already accepted that gift, but until today, you didn't really understand what it was about. You didn't really understand grace. You didn't know that it encompassed all of that. Maybe you need to make a rededication today. God's waiting for you. What are you waiting for? It's a free gift, and it's going to lay up here useless if you don't come get it. Brother?